are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. We are your news now. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio.
morning to you, or should I say good day, because I'm trying to change my language, but it is a good morning, Jesse, but it's not M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. It is morning, as in the first part of the day, at least in this part of the world. (laughs) That's right. This is the day the Lord's made, so we will rejoice and be glad in it today. Amen. And uh, welcome, everyone. Thank you for being here for this uh, very important study in the book of Acts. Uh, Yes, I do listen and read your comments, and I am going to make an adjustment today due to your comments. I have been accused of saying this is my favorite chapter every week. I am not going to say that. This is just my favorite chapter today. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, this is one of my favorite chapters. <laughs> it is. Uh, I won't there, say this week either. Sorry, go ahead. There, there's, so, there's so many interesting lessons inside of this chapter. And uh, I think a lot of us will realize that we have some things in common with, uh, with Peter, <laughs> you know. And uh, there's just a, a lot of depth in it. But before we get started, I just want to say... Uh, Thank you to Dewey Johnson, uh, Pastor Dewey Johnson, for his uh, sermon last night. If you did not catch it, uh, I'm just going to give you the gist of it. It's fairly short. It's about a half an hour long. Uh, but he answers the question, is God working today? And he uses his uh, you know, knowledge of the Hebrew uh, societies and things like that, and his deep understanding into the culture. And he brings it from Purim in Esther's time, which, by the way, is happening, you know, concurrently, right up to the Nuremberg trials in 1946, same God, and into present day. So if you have any feeling that God is not orchestrating what is going on, Uh, This is going to give you a lot of hope, and uh, I just thought it was such a timely message, and and they all are, and and by the way, it, you know, ties into this uh, loosely. I think the the timing is is perfect, and I also want to say thank you uh, to uh, Shiloh and Watching Wall for just an amazing uh, time of prayer, and everyone who joined, of course, uh, another powerful time in the Lord last night, and uh, you know, because we battle, uh, you know, in the spirit world, princes and principalities, um, that's where you should be is actually in those prayer meetings, because that's where the battle is being waged. Uh, you're great to, that you pray on your own. Uh, it's great that you perhaps you're getting involved in your community. Uh, but the corporate prayer is uh, is certainly very powerful. What say you, Jesse? Absolutely. Um, You know, I think for anybody, no matter what level you are at with prayer, the Lord always wants us to be growing our faith and growing our, um, I guess, our tools, I'll say, you know, adding more tools to our toolbox. So I really encourage people to not be afraid to just confidently, you know, join those prayer groups. And you're really going to learn a lot, especially you know, these are more than intercessors, they're warriors. So if you want to learn how to war in prayer and have your prayers avail much, you know, I would definitely attend every week. Yeah, absolutely. It is a wonderful thing. So 
because I had some cute computer problems this morning, we did not pray before uh, coming on, although I was praying for the technology as I'm rebooting my computer and rebooting my camera and re rebooting everything that needed to be rebooted uh, to get this program on the way. So, Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks, Father, that you are still working. And Lord, you're orchestrating your plans around this world in, in every country, in every society, in every person, Lord, saved and unsaved. But Father, we give you thanks that you have not left us abandoned. You have dispatched your Holy Spirit to be among us, to be our comforter, to get us through these times, to reveal the things of Christ from the inside of us out, Lord, and you given us Christ in your word as well. And your word is supreme. Your word is alive. It's rich. It has wealth greater than any king has ever had here on earth. Because, of course, it is the king of kings and lord of lords. So I pray not only for your word to go forth today and be imprinted uh, inside of people that they take the lessons that you have planned for them, Father God, that your name be glorified through your word and by your Holy Spirit. But Father God, I pray that it even impacts change, Father, as we are going into a new time in you, as we're going into the final days, I would suggest, Father God, that we need more of your Holy Spirit. We need more of your discernment in particular. And God, strengthen our faith, strengthen our health, Father God. Everyone who's listening in the sound of my voice, I pray for their health. I pray for their family around them. I pray for more eyes to be opened, and I pray for more souls to come into your kingdom. And Lord, even that you would use each one of us, that you would trust us to express your word, and to tell of your salvation that more people will come into your kingdom, Father God. If we say anything that is not of you, we pray that it washes away from the listener's ears, Lord, and that it will not be remembered. And Father, even if uh, if we do misspeak, that you would bring immediate correction, that we could repent and turn away from anything that we have said that does not glorify your name. And we pray this all to Yahuwah, my Savior, the Savior of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Well, let's get going on this, Jesse. How about I'll start out and read the first part, and then I'll give you okay. the second part because the chapter has a uh, a split right in the halfway part so it should be perfect sounds good now there was a man in caesarea named cornelius a centurion what was called the italian cohort a devout man and one who feared god with all of his household and made many charitable contributions to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw a vision of an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and he looked at him intently and became terrified and said, what is it, Lord? 
And he said to him, your prayers and charitable gifts have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel spoke to him, left, he summoned two of his servants, devout soldiers from his personal attendants, and after he had explained everything to him, he sent them to Joppa. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, but he became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance, and he saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground, and on it were all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the sky. A voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy or unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might mean, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius had asked directions to Simon's house, and they appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asked whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one you were looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of Jews, was divinely directed by an angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. The next day, Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, 
Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How good or sorry, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and of the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, and circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then he asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So I want to draw a couple parallels just as we get going on this, Jesse. And uh, the first one is, and how it ties into the sermon last night, and no, we did not plan this. I did not know what, uh, uh, what Dewey was going to preach, but... Here you see God working out a plan, and man cannot see it, but he's working it out in many different ways. He's got a lot of moving parts. He's got a lot of people. He's talking to Peter here. He's talking to Cornelius here. He's dispatching these guys. You know, Peter has to go there. Uh, the visions, everything was being orchestrated, and there's more than one lesson in this chapter. But it clearly shows God working when you don't necessarily see him working. Mm -hmm. So that is the uh, the conclusion that I draw where it relates to Dewey's sermon last night. The other thing is, and, and Jesse, I may be wrong here, but when I studied Acts before, I believe that this is the first time the Gentiles are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Yeah, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't say the first time Gentiles are saved, but it's the first manifestation of the Holy Spirit among the Gentiles. Yeah, as I said, I wasn't 100% sure, but this is a real pivot point 
in the ministry because as, as we see as we get further on you know uh peter doesn't think he should really be going to the jew to the uh, gentiles you know uh the jews were they always thought of themselves as the chosen people mm-hmm. you know they considered themselves higher uh the, the gentiles were dirty uh unclean you might say because they weren't the chosen people and God gives uses a couple illustrations here that uh, really change Peter's mind. And one of the things I find funny as we go further is uh, when Peter says, and I came without delay. He said no three times. (laughs) (laughs) That was to God, though. (laughs) This is just typical Peter, though, right? You know. Right. All right. So let's look at it. So there's a man in Caesarea uh, named Cornelius, a centurion. And so a centurion is, he's a a Roman soldier. And he's in charge of about a hundred men. And it seems that every time a centurion is mentioned, they're mentioned in favorable light from God you know, in the, in the Bible. So I just found that interesting. I have no more information on that. Uh, perhaps you do, Jesse, but. Uh, but it's curious, I wonder, you know, because there were so many centurions who, um, you know, who came to Jesus for healing for family members or things like that. So, you know, I wonder if, um, you know, some of those healings, like the man whose daughter was, who had died and, he said, just say the word and she'll be well. Um, you know, I wonder if that event also played a part in Cornelius and his family coming to the Lord. It could be. And what was interesting about that particular healing is uh, Jesus had agreed to go to his house to mm-hmm. heal his daughter. And he goes, he goes, you don't even have to come to my house. You can just speak the word. Yeah. And and Jesus saw his faith. And basically, I, I'm really glad you brought up that story. It's just kind of clicking with me now. But basically, he's saying, your faith is greater than all the Jews around here. Mm-hmm. So that really is a foreshadow of this, isn't it? It is. And then you've got, you know, Cornelius, who, you know, it's not just he who comes. When he comes, his entire family is saved and baptized. Yeah. And also notice, you know, the angel of the Lord said to do this. And immediately when the angel leaves, you know, Cornelius gets this guys and says, no, go immediately. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peter, not so quick. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Even though he uses that word, I did not delay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was good. The angel comes to him and he recognizes him as, you know, first of all, he's in fear because let's face it, uh, you're seeing a spiritual body, a shining is, you know, and and immediately the angel puts him at ease. Um, But he recognizes the angel being sent to the Lord. And I just love this part here, what the angel says. He said to him, your prayers and charitable gifts have ascended as a memorial offering before God. That's astounding to me. Yeah. Um, You know, what's interesting is 
you know, it's not like uh, you go back and think about the different types of offerings. And there were, you know, I guess the closest person I could think of that did an offering that was similar was Job, that every morning he would get up and he'd be asking God to, you know, look upon them with favor, to remember them. And, uh, you know, he'd be offering that for his entire family and household. So it's interesting that the Lord saw, you know, Cornelius and his prayers and his offerings that he gave to the poor. It was a gift that caused God to remember him. So, you know, what an honor, it, you know, that the things that we do just to remember that God is watching, that he sees, and um, it doesn't go without passing. You know, another one actually is Mordecai, uh, since we're on the theme of Esther. And, you know, as you get towards the end part of Esther, they, you know, as the king is going through his um, book that he keeps record of everybody who's done things, you know, he realizes that Mordecai uh, had been forgotten, that he had not been rewarded for things that he had done that honored honored the king. So um, later, you know, Mordecai receives that honor and what was due him. So those two stories kind of remind me of this. Yeah. And, 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 and again, you know, he was paraded around in the king's robe and everything else by the guy who was plotting to kill him. And wow. It just, so, you know, God's orchestrating all this stuff. And uh, and this man was found righteous in God's sight. And it, it doesn't say he's born again yet, um, but he had fear and reverence of the Lord. He was seeking out the Lord diligently. And mm-hmm. that seems apparent to me. And, you know, again, he uh, he's told to go. He's given directions. He sends his best guys, you know. Uh, immediately, mm-hmm. and he sent them to Joppa. But then the next day, while they're on their way, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, so around noon. But he became hungry and wanted to eat. <laughs> yeah, he's hungry and wants to eat, and all he does is have visions of unclean food. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, but and not only that, he goes up to pray, and he's like. I want to pray, but I'm really hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) But while we were making uh, preparations, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by the four corners to the ground. By the way, did you catch the artwork? I found (laughs) something with a sheet with all these animals in it. Yeah, that was great a good illustration of it because I, I, you know, literally that's the way it describes it. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and it's all these uh, creatures that, uh, you know, the Jews would not eat because they were unclean. And then God says, but if I made them clean, they're clean. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm going to presuppose something here because what I find interesting is is the next line that you know Peter has this vision three times and there's two I think that that number goes back to two other passages the first is that you know we know that Peter was there 
with the Lord before his crucifixion. And that, you know, one of the last things the Lord said to him is that three times you will deny me before the rooster crows. Now, a rooster also was kind of considered one of those unclean spirits. Uh, things to eat, I believe, like they could eat the chickens, but I think with the rooster, they weren't able to eat those. Um, so it's interesting that, again, you've got that number three. And then um, after the Lord appears to them and is eating and drinking with them for 40 days and 40 nights, he ends up, you know, where there's a scene between him and Peter on the, or like, it's like on the shore and he says to Peter three times, you know, do you agape me? Do you love me? And each of those times, Peter says, you know, in their language, yes, Lord, I phileo you, which is, you know, I love you like a friend. But the Lord was saying, do you love me unconditionally? And his last word to him was, then go and feed my sheep. Um so it's it's interesting because I think it ties in with that where here he also gets that test of three, you know, three times he says, no, Lord, this can't be. And I think by the time it gets to number three, he knows that it goes back to those incidences, you know, is he going to betray Christ again or is he going to love the Lord and in obedience go forward and feed the sheep? Yeah, and listen, I, I often tell, and it's unfortunate, but you know, I'm I'm thick as a brick sometimes, and God often repeats Himself to me, uh, sometimes over years before I get the message, and you know, uh, I'm so thankful God doesn't give up. Uh, but you know, the so the other thing is, uh, and I just have to mention this: uh, th this these are the verses you can use against those vegematics. <laughs> <laughs> just saying <laughs> um, yeah, yeah because it's not like the Lord the Lord ties it in for Peter two ways you know he, it's not just about him going to Cornelius's house and about the Gentiles uh, being able to receive salvation the Lord literally says to him rise and eat um, <laughs> you know so it definitely is also about food. And so at that point, yep. it seems like the Lord's made everything clean. And later we even see, you know, in Corinthians, this became a huge battle uh, between the Jews and the Gentile Christians where, you know, there was only one market. And at that market, if they wanted to eat meat, it was meat that had been offered to uh, idols first. And, you know, Peter steps in as well as Paul and, you know, Paul gives kind of the dictation and says, Hey, like, you know, if the Lord's made it clean, if you can eat it with faith, you know, then eat. And if you're not, if your faith isn't there yet, you know, then don't judge your brethren who do, who do have their faith there in that place. So. And I think one of the other things that uh, is being taught here, Jesse, is, you know, if the Lord is truly the Lord of your life, you know, Lord means master. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so that means we're his servants. We're here to serve our king. And 
when your king says, go and do this, you don't say no. Yeah. So is he truly, you know, Peter's Lord at this point in time? And I think he's drilling it into him. Uh, you know, every time you disobey and every time, you know, it, it kind of comes back to bite you, Peter, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and even when you think about uh, when, when they were fishing and they fished all night and Peter didn't catch anything. And Jesus says, well, go back out and throw the net on the other side. And Peter's like, oh, okay, come on. Okay. You're a good preacher, but I, I'm the captain of the boat. I know how to fish. Right, but he goes okay. I'll I'll entertain you, <laughs> you know. And he goes out, and sure enough, the nets are breaking because there's so much fish, you know. So he just keeps yeah. showing Peter and Peter, and and I, I really think the Lord, obviously, the Lord loves Peter dearly, and uh, I just think the Lord's having so much fun with Peter and his stubbornness. <laughs> I think so, and you know, you bring out a really great point, and there are a lot of churches that really debate. Um, at the pastoral and scholarly level about what we call the sovereignty of God. You know, there's many who say that the Lord, you know, put things into motion and he kind of just lets it play out uh, that each of us, you know, have like, you know, it's like we, he allows us our own free will, our own free choice within his sovereign will and that sovereignty is defined in scripture, but it's like, you know, that there's not like fine details in the sovereignty. The Lord has just said, you know, don't go out, don't be sexually immoral, try to eat clean, you know, uh, as long as you're following the 10 commandments, you're okay. That's like one of the theories. But then, you know, I, I mean, it was huge when I was in seminary and you know, one of the professors, once he asked a question about that, and he said, do you think God cares about what bowl of cereal you eat in the morning? And as I prayed on it more and more, you know, I really sought the Lord on it because my heart was, Lord, you know, whatever you desire, like, even if it's, you know, the littlest thing, like, I want to make sure I'm not withholding that from you. And so in that, you know, seeking, the Lord led me to this little book from the written in the 1900s, and it was called Master of My Heart. And it's a sermon that the author, he breaks down like the five Greek words that are used in the Gospels for Lord. And by the time I got done reading the book, you know, I realized that there was just one decision I had to make you know, was I going to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to be Lord over every single thing in my life? And that meant even emotions. You know, there were so many emotions that, you know, I had experienced as a kid, but I didn't have names for. And as each of those came forward, you know, I found myself in a place where it was like, okay, Lord, here's one more thing I need to surrender. Be Lord of this also. And, you know, that's why I do call him Lord, because after I read that book, it became such a meaningful, you know, term of endearment to my heart that it's like when I say, you know, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, that means that there's nothing in my life that I hold back from him. He's Lord and master over everything. And I give him that sovereign uh, sovereignty in my life, you know, complete sovereignty.
So I love this, you know, passage um, because it brings all of us to that point on our knees where we have to choose, you know, like Peter, are we going to allow him to be sovereign over every moment? Well, you know, I go back to that, uh, that song we talked about a little while ago, I Surrender All. And I've yeah. been able to sing that song uh, with a pure heart and pure intent. And then there's been other times that I've been in church and uh, I'm not really singing along with this because <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding on to some crap. <laughs> you know? yeah, right. I love that. Right. We tend to like to hold on to that garbage. You know, since you say that, there's a funny story. The Lord showed me that I'd like to hold on to garbage too. But the one time the Lord showed how, like, you know, when I want to surrender everything, I put everything into garbage bags, I get it ready, and I let the garbage man come and take it. Then comes the funny part of the vision. You know, he showed me running after the garbage man grabbing my bags of garbage back, <laughs> refusing <laughs> to allow the Lord to have them. And I sat there and thought, huh, that does look pretty silly. Why do I run after the garbage and refuse to give it up? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just uh, speaking of God's humor, and I just saw this now, <laughs> but this is really funny when you think about it. So God drops this sheet full of animals down and God says, they're good to eat. Go kill and eat. So he's got Peter thinking about this. And after three times, Peter's starting to get the message. Okay, I can kill and eat. And God's made it clean. And of course, God's drawing the distinction of the Gentiles as well, right? Mm -hmm. that, that, that's important to note. But he, God's dropping this thing of all these animals. He's saying, go kill and eat. Peter's getting up, and then God yanks the animals back up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just not these ones. You got to go out and find them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> I never saw that before. I just think that's funny. That is kind of funny. God does have such a sense of humor. <laughs> Especially with Peter. <laughs> that's right. he's such a blockhead. <clears throat> <laughs> How many of us are those blockheads, Jeff? You know, I I know I certainly got the genes for it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and and by the way, and it just so God God lo God loves Peter. Uh obviously, you know, uh it's on this rock I will build my church and you know, look at look at the man Peter has become already, but now he's going through this transition where he's going to really start to go out and reach the Gentiles because God said, go out to everyone and preach this mm -hmm. around the whole earth. You know, not uh, not just the part where the uh, Jewish people sit. It's the, the whole earth. And and even if you think just back a couple uh, chapters ago uh, with Philip and the Ethiopian, for instance. So, you know, how does the gospel get down to Ethiopia? Well, an Ethiopian's reading Isaiah gets, you know, uh, gets baptized and then, you know, he goes home and, you know, he's an important guy. He's in the, uh, the king's administration sort of thing. And, uh, you know, it's just going out to all the world. And we're seeing the very, very foundation of the church. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and, and to think how the Lord, you know, the whole time the Lord was building, you know, his church into one body. You've got the Jews and the Gentiles and both are playing vital parts or vital roles in the, you know, the building blocks and structure of that church. So 
Yeah. And, and you know, I, I just see it as, you know, when they talk in the Bible talks about Israel and Egypt, it's not mm-hmm. talking about geography. I believe it's talking about hearts. Israel yeah. is saved. Egypt, not saved. Yeah. And it's symbolic. But even in this, you know, you've got continuances of stories. Um, you know, there were women that the Lord promised because of their faithfulness throughout, you know, the Old Testament, uh, like Rahab, uh, Ruth. Um, you know, how many Gentile women were there that were introduced into that bloodline? And so it's like the Lord, you know, is going back. He's not forgetting his promise to them that, you know, all who are willing to follow the Lord out of their lines or out of their people groups, the Lord is keeping that promise to save them. That's right. So now we have the uh, the guys knocking at the door. And uh, where, where do I want to go here? And while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs and accompany them without misgivings for I have sent them. So God's saying, don't, don't second it. You know, don't do the three times thing again. There's a timing play happening here. You need to go right now and behold, I am the one you were looking for. Peter said, uh, which is the reason for which is the reason that you have come? And then they said a centurious, a centurion, a righteous man of God, fearing that well-spoken of the nation, Jews, was divinely directed the holy angel to come and send you for the house. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. Mm-hmm. Now, on the next day, he got ready and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Jaffa accompanied him. And on the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter said, no, 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 no. I'm just a man. And, you know, this this has happened a number of times, like even in our Revelation study, like John, you know, after having the all of the end times revealed to him, falls down and worships an angel. The angels, no, 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 get up, dude, you know, don't worship me. Yeah, it's interesting. There's just that natural response, you know, to that when you see something that is of God in such a miraculous way. You know, I mean, even you see Daniel and John, others, they do the same thing where they fall down. Isaiah even did it. The angel said, don't, don't worship me, you know, but um, there's that natural response there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worship any man. I'll tell you. Uh, so, but Peter helped him up saying, stand up too, because I am just a man. And he talked with him and entered and found many people assembled. So there's lots of people there. And this is very telling here. And he said to them, you yourselves know that it is forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner. And yet God has shown me that I am not to call any person unholy or unclean that is such a pivotal verse in the bible because that is going to change the whole direction of how the gospel is spread out throughout the uh rest of time right 
Yeah, absolutely pivotal. I agree. And, and then comes Peter's statement. <laughs> that is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. <laughs> <laughs> now, he's not meaning when the Lord told him. He's just meaning when the guys knocked on the door, he listened and didn't raise any objections. <laughs> Peter gets off on a technicality, says Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so Cordelia says, four days ago, I was praying in my house, a bold man to send in shining clothing. And he goes through the story, uh, tells him and, you know, it's Simon Peter to come and he's good, kind enough to come. Now then, we're all here present before God to hear everything you have been commanded by the Lord. So, you know, it's like, okay, Peter, you're here to preach. Get her done. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> See, I really am a Southern boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then as he starts to speak, you know, they all come, they come to the Lord and you see the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power through the speaking of tongues. And, you know, this is another interesting lesson, uh, just like when in the day of Pentecost, but here it just fell on the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's important because, you know, Peter had to, for lack of a better word, be sober and just witness it. Mm-hmm. But they went through the exact same thing that the apostles and the 120 at the day of Pentecost went through. Uh, so I think that's a very important lesson that it's for anyone circumcised, uncircumcised. Um, it doesn't matter if your clothes are dirty, if your clothes are clean, you know, it, it doesn't matter. And I want to say this there. I know that in some churches, because I've seen it, they have like a, Holy Spirit instruction. They teach you how to speak in tongues. They teach you how to get and I and I and I've seen people become so deflated from it because they are taught and then it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So that that could really be harmful to someone's walk. Uh, this is my opinion, and God strike it down if uh, if I'm wrong in saying this, but. These people didn't receive instruction on how to speak in tongues or how to get the Holy Spirit. They they right. literally fell down and said, we want God, and then God came to them. Yeah, it just came. And no, I agree. There is so much um, of that. And what, what I like here, too, is that when the Holy Spirit came, you know, it didn't mean that Peter didn't have the Holy Spirit because he wasn't speaking in tongues at this time. And so I think it's important to realize that, you know, the Holy Spirit comes and goes and that there are times that, you know, we will be speaking. There's other times that we won't be. And you can't force or push it like some of the churches try to. Um, You know, the Lord will show you the circumstances where he desires you to be speaking in those tongues. Yeah, that's right. And so I I just want to I don't want to correct you, but maybe I heard it wrong. So Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. 
he's just not drunk and speaking he's in all not the tongues. Speaking at this in time. tongues is what I but meant the, to the say. The Holy yeah. Spirit, once it enters yeah. you, it, it doesn't leave. I think unless you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, which I, which I, I would suggest is almost impossible if you really yeah. sought God out. Um, legitimately in the first place you know yeah absolutely jeff i agree and i wasn't meaning that he wasn't filled with the holy spirit altogether it just meant that this moment you know the term that they used when the tongues came was that they were filled with the spirit so i just meant yeah you know he didn't have the manifestation of the tongues so yeah that's right and but thank you for clarifying that yeah, and I I didn't think I, well I knew because I know you know your scripture that uh, <laughs> yeah. that but it just I just kind of came out that way so I wanted to make sure that we were clear on it and you know the other thing is this doesn't happen every single church meeting every single you know that that's not the way it works God is sovereign God does what He wants and. So I'm not calling out any names. We're not going to do that. And, and I'm just giving you what God has been showing to me or what revealing to me through my studies and things like that is, you know, for instance, prophets. There's so many prophets. And by the way, the Bible says in the last days, there will be lots of false prophets. And they're talking about current events. They're not putting their neck on the line saying something really weird is going to happen in six years and then being held accountable for it. But if you, if a prophet, you know, has a new prophecy every time they're invited to a conference, which is maybe, you know, two or three times a week sometimes, or every Sunday has a new prophetic word from God, well, is that possible? Absolutely it's possible. But that's not the patterns of God that I see when reading uh, God gives a prophetic word when God wants to give a prophetic word. And it's usually a very inconvenient time for that prophetic word and the office of a true prophet. It's not, that's probably one of the toughest gigs you get in the fivefold ministries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It is one of the toughest. I agree. You know, a lot of accountability. Yeah. And, and I would say for the same thing, um, healings, if, uh, we, well, you know, we look and, you know, we've called out one particular ministry, uh, you know, Benny, uh, that every, you know, and it turned out to be false, of course, uh, you know, proven, and he admitted that a lot of it was false, but uh, mm -hmm. going around and having massive healings every time he shows up in town, well, who's make, who is becoming God then? Is it the preacher? Or is, you know, and they might say, glory to God, but, you know, uh, he's kind of getting all the attention, right? Yeah. And, and I, I just, the, the Holy Spirit, God can do whatever God wants to do. But I don't think they, uh, I don't think God applies the spiritual healings and stuff biblically to uh, whenever, you know, a particular pastor is having a service. Yeah, definitely. Because it's not about the man. God can do what he wants to do. So, I, And I just think, you know, when we see these examples of the beginnings of the church, we are seeing God's pattern. This is how it happens. It's not, uh, okay, we're all going to learn how to speak tongues today. We're all going to learn how to be drunk in the spirit. We're 
going to do these fire tunnels. We're going to do, these are man's things. Mm -hmm. Where does God say do a fire tunnel? Right. I I know I'm going to hurt some feelings here. Uh, but man, we're in the last days. We're not messing around anymore. And Mm -hmm. the deceptions are great. The greatest prize. Well, listen, the parallel, the church and the politics run parallel and Mm -hmm. the enemy has infiltrated the politics. We can see that clearly. And now we're starting to see how the church is there. My question would be, and it's a question. I don't know the answer. My question would be, Jesse, is there a big organized church that is not compromised? That That's a very fair question, I think. I don't know the answer, and I'm praying that the answer is yes, there are some. I'm praying that that is the answer. Yeah. But. We have to question everything. Absolutely, we do. You know. So he, you know, Peter, he's become a great preacher now. He does the greatest hits of the gospel. You know, God died; it was him. The guy that you know, he was killed. He died. He rose again on the third day. We spent time with him. You know, uh, he goes through. You know, essentially, he just keeps repeating. It's the it's the gospel story. It's the foundations of the entire faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he ordered us to preach to the people and to testify solemnly that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. That- that's God. <clears throat> Why would he mention the dead? Well, because he's saying, you know, the Lord himself has said, I'm not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Um, so I think he's specifying, you know, those who have passed on, that he's God of both. Yeah, because, uh, listen, God's going to determine. Um, you go up, you go down. Which way is yeah. it? You know, um, so he is the God, uh, he, he judges us living and, and this is an important point as well. We are free will creatures. God gives us the free will. Peter had the free will to say no three times. Look at, look at Jonah in the belly of the beast. Mm-hmm. He said, no, <laughs> God says, yeah, try saying no to me. Get this. <laughs> you know, he sticks them in a whale. Yeah. But, you know, there's consequences to our decisions. Mm-hmm. And God's large and in charge of all of this stuff. But when we choose to go our own way, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And he does judge our actions. And he, and he doesn't send you to hell for it. If you're, I'm just, I don't know, you you stole something or, you know, you, you dishonored your father or your mother or you cheated on your wife or, you know, that doesn't mean you lose salvation. But man, listen, you, you cheat on your wife or your husband 
And then you go through family court and custody battles and stuff like that. That's God's judgment. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to, you want to play with fire. Guess what? You're going to get your hand burned. Yeah. So God judges in many ways. And by the way, uh, sometimes he just lets you go through that because you might be able to minister to 50 or a hundred people afterwards. Don't ever do this. You know, I, I bring up the, uh, I, and I've said this a few times one time because I was a very impatient man. I prayed for patience. Now, if I can save, you know, the, the, the 223 people who are watching right now do not pray for patience. Yes, it is a gift. Don't pray for it. <laughs> because after two years of getting the gift of patience, which, by the way, translates into long suffering. After two years, almost to the day when I realized, oh, my goodness, I prayed for long suffering and I got it. It was lifted. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. You know, just like if you go through these uh, other things because you've made mistakes, because you've done things, God can still turn it around and use it for his glory. Amen. Yeah, so He can turn have, everything around. So have joy in your suffering. All right. Am I, am I getting in trouble here, Jesse? I haven't been watching the chat. Nope, nope, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. I'm in a fighting mood, Jesse. I, I can tell, Jeff. You get kind of spunky when you're in a fighting mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, <laughs> and one, one last thing. Uh, surely no one can refuse the water to these who have been baptized for who have received the Holy Spirit as just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Christ Jesus. Then he asked them to stay for a few days. So when he says ordered, I don't think he it's ordered like I command you now to get baptized. I don't I think the word is used purposefully to say order. This is the order. Look, you just you got saved. Now let's get you baptized. Yeah. I agree. Um, you know, I think it is like a an outline, um, you know, for the church that after there was a proclamation of the belief, the faith, then that's when the baptisms would come. Yeah. But there, there's, uh, you know, you don't, as it illustrates here, you don't have to, and, and by the way, it's quite commonly taught that, you know, when you, uh, you know, you go through the water and you come out and you come into the new resurrection, the new life, that that's a good time and the Holy Spirit could mm -hmm. come upon you. And, you know, um, that's certainly uh, some things that can happen. Yeah. But, uh, it, but here, the Holy Spirit came on them beforehand. So, God can do what he wants. <laughs> That's he all I see. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Well, look at that, Jesse. We finished the chapter and we're right on time. 
<laughs> Good job. We, Good we job. try to keep these shows to an hour or or less, you know, but uh, often it does not happen that way. Jesse, would you like to close us in prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day and that we're able to gather together. We thank you, Lord, that we are still in a country where we can hear your word and we have access to it, where we can speak about our faith and we can share it openly and publicly. We ask that we would be mindful of these days and times, Lord, that we would take it um, every opportunity to go forth boldly with your gospel while we can. And I pray that you would open the doors for us to bring many into your kingdom. And if there's anybody out there today who does not know you or who has not come to that place of allowing you to be Lord over every area in their lives, we just lift up our hearts today and we say, Jesus, we believe that you are the son of God. We believe that you died on the cross for our sins and that you were raised to new life. And we ask that you would raise us into that new life also, and that you would cleanse us from all sin, all unrighteousness. And we ask that we may go forth boldly in your name and proclaim the things that you have done in our lives. We ask this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And Jesse, a new ending customized just for this day. <laughs> Love your God, love your family, hit the like button, <laughs> love your neighbor as thyself, and make a difference in your community. God bless each one of you.